You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. some of our best friends, all the way down from Paris, France, Philippe and Prisca, Shidecker, right there in the front row. I'm feeling strong in the Lord because I got moms in the faith that are with me. I got Mama Sue right there in the front row. I got Mama Cat Corrigan. I, I got my, I got the kingdom. I got my family. This is your family. This is my family. This this is all I want. This is all I got. This is all I need. You know, today's charge is very simply family to the ends of the earth. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for giving us family that's going to spread out to the ends of the earth. Thank you so much for the example of the family in the Bible that spread out to the ends of the earth. Father, we know we are not family for a week. We're not family for a year. We're not family for two years. We are family to the ends of the earth. We are family for eternity. Help us to be a radical family. But also, Father, help us to be a radical army. Father, we pray that we can believe what Jesus Christ believed. We pray that we can do what Jesus Christ did. We pray that we can imitate the family in the Bible and that we can evangelize the nations in our generation. Remove us as people and just use us, Father. Use your Holy Spirit to speak to your people. We know all your people are not here today, but use this sermon, Father, to touch your people. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I learned a lot of things being in L.A. And uh, one of the things that I learned is if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. And that that is our God. If he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. 
also learned being in Los Angeles that you've come too far only to come this far. You've come too far only to come this far. Meaning that we got to keep going. And as I look at our family, I go, we got to build family all around the world. You know, the Bible says in Job chapter 28, in verse 24, it says, for he views the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. He says, God views the ends of the earth. And yet we need to be like God viewing the ends of the earth. Why? Because we're going to go there. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. God says, all you got to do is ask me. And I'll give you the ends of the earth. In Psalm 22, verse 27, says, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all families of the nations will bow down before him. He says, all the families are going to bow down and worship God. In Psalm 48, verse 10, says, like your name, O God, your praise reaches the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. And that's so awesome because the only way that God's praises can fill the ends of the earth is if we have churches that are in the ends of the earth. Amen. In Psalm 67 and verse 7, it says, may God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. He says that all the ends of the earth need to fear God. And yet we understand the fear of God is the one fear that takes away all the others. It takes away the fear of man. It takes away the fear of people. It takes away the fear of pain. It takes away the fear of suffering. The fear of God takes away all those fears. Psalms 98 verse 3 says he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. Of course, that's literal Israel and the church is spiritual Israel. Says all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Is that not awesome? I read that. I went, that is so convicting. Psalms 98 is talking about world evangelism before Jesus walked the earth. He says all the earth has seen salvation. In Isaiah chapter 5, of course Isaiah is like the mini Bible. The first half of Isaiah is is there we say, well many commentators say it's all about grace, the second half is all about judgment. Of course there are 66 uh, books in the book of Isaiah, so it's like the mini Bible. But the, the most prophecies in the New Testament are found in Isaiah. And yet Isaiah says this. In verse five of chapter five, verse twenty-six, says he lifts up the banner for the distant nations. He whistles for those at the ends of the earth. Here they come, swiftly and speedily. I mean, that's just God. God just like, come on, come to the kingdom of God. My uncle used to have this incredible whistle. I still can't do it. But he just, just this whistle, I'd hear it from, I'd be this way out, and I'd hear that whistle, and I'd come running back home. And yet he just says, he lifts up the banner for the destination. He whistles for those at the ends of the earth. And yet we are so encouraged when we see brothers and sisters that come from distant lands and move all the way from Amsterdam to come to a place that God has chosen as a dwelling for his name. I'm fired up at Minnow and Euclid and the entire Rinder group with Artie Sakem are now here in the kingdom of God. 
They heard God's whistle. Mark chapter 3. You know, the first question I have for you is, are you in the family? That's the first thing we've got to ask ourselves. Are you actually in the family of Jesus Christ? In Mark chapter 3, we find an incredible, incredible scripture. Jesus, of course, is is sitting around a group of individuals. He he is teaching. He is preaching. he, He is laying it on out. And the Bible says in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. I mean, can you imagine that? Mom is standing outside and she doesn't want to come in to church. But she's got the guts to ask someone else to go on inside. You know, sometimes moms can be bold. And so instead of going inside herself, she just sends someone else to go on inside. So the crowd was sitting around him. And they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And then Jesus says, Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. This is what I call a very tense moment in the movie of Jesus Christ. You know when the movie gets really intense and you're just sitting there and just, oh my goodness, this is intense. I mean, if you were sitting there and that question was asked and then he looked right at you. Of course, we know the Bible says in Proverbs that the king winnows out evil with his eyes. So everybody that was in sin in that moment would kind of look down like this. <laughs> Can you imagine? Jesus looking directly at you. And he's just looking right at you. And, and like this. And then the Bible just says, Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And the church said, is that not encouraging? I mean, that made some of the brothers sit up. Oh my goodness. I'm hearing, I'm here at church. I'm listening to the sermon. I'm doing God's will. I'm in the family of God. I am in the family of God. Now we understand and we know that Jesus' physical family didn't believe everything that Jesus believed. How do we know that? John chapter 7. This is Jesus' family. In John chapter 7, the Bible says this. Verse 3. It says, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secrets. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine living with the Son of God and you still don't believe? I mean, this guy had to be so incredible. The Son of God and you still don't believe. You know, when you start getting older in the faith right there, you start kind of wanting to prove yourself. You know, I got back from traveling and, and, and you know, there was an uh, apple on the, uh, on, on the uh, orange on the uh, counter at, at, at our place. And, you know, I kind of felt tired. I'm like, man, am I getting older? What's going on? And, and the orange started to fall off and I, and I grabbed it. I, just, I still got it. 
I still got it. I'm still young right there. Woo! And I just go, okay. But nobody got a chance to see it right there. I wanted to impress Michelle and all this kind of stuff. Goodness. I just think, can you imagine living with Jesus Christ? He's doing that stuff all the time. And they just still didn't believe. And this just helps me go, wow. Unbelief is such a huge sin nowadays. Unbelief. They did not believe. Now, Jesus says whoever does God's will is in the family. Well, what is the will of God? I know you guys want to know that. Turn to 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy, I'm sorry. Chapter 2. What is God's will? In 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Come on. Verse 1. says, I urge thee, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He says it's God's will that all men be saved. And yet you got to ask yourself, is God's will your will? Is it your will that all men be saved? That's God's will. Those that are in Jesus' family want Jesus' will. And last time I checked, you got to pray to do the will of God. Jesus had to pray to do God's will. We got to pray to do God's will. I ask again, are you in the family of Jesus? Are you trying to save all nations? Are you in a church that challenges you and expects you to be a part of saving all nations? You know, it's easy to save the nation that you're from. Because you know all their sin before they even say it. It was great going back to the United States. And of course, being here in London, it, it, it's been awesome. But going back, Michelle and I, we were just, we, we were able, specifically, I mean, we were able to see the weaknesses and the sins of the culture so glaringly. And I just went, I mean, I was just going for different people and saying different things. And it was, it was easy for me. But when you have to reach out to another nation and you're called to rely on God and some of their cultural differences may not be the same. This is God's will. This is our church. And this is our calling to save all nations. Again, I ask you, are you in Jesus's family? Are you in the family? You know how families are. Family's got issues. Yes. Family's got problems. Yes. And all families got that crazy uncle that you're a little nervous to bring him around all your friends. Yeah. Now, the, the, the cool thing about Jesus' family, you could be that uncle. Yeah. You could be that uncle. That could be you. You're still in the family. It's okay. You're still in the family. And this is the kind of thing that encourages people like... Philippe Scheidecker right there. This is the kind of thing that makes him feel included in Jesus' family. Are you in the family? Are you truly in the family? Honestly, from a heart level. 
is God's will your will? I mean, th- this is a huge challenge. Yes. And this means that it is not about people, it's all about God. If there's one thing that we have to crystallize here in London, God's will has got to be our will. And the moment God's will is not our will, you are not in the family. It doesn't matter if you're in the church, you're not in the family. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to look for people that are in his family. And this is truly something that you've got to ask yourself. Are you honestly in the family? Do you honestly believe in making disciples of all nations? It's going to take death. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take crushing your dream for God's dream. You know, I I, I thought once I got baptized, I thought, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm in the family. I'm I'm, I'm a Christian now. Now God's going to give me all my dreams. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yeah. And I forget having a conversation with, 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 with Kip. Uh, and this was a couple years after being baptized. And I, th- I thought, okay, I'm married now. I, I gotta, I gotta, uh, okay, I've done some great things, but I, I want to go back to university. So I went to university and I asked them if they'd be interested in, in, in taking a, a, a student under their scholarship program and if I could apply. Well, I applied and they, they told me, yes, not only are you eligible, we're, we're willing to give you a full ride scholarship. And I was, I was fired up about that. In America, it's, it's quite expensive to go to school. So I went back and, 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 I, and I, said, I said, Kevin, you won't believe it. My dream is to go back to university and, and, and become this great businessman and own my own company and build my own little kingdom. He said, what, what you, I said, what do you think about that? He goes, well, I, I think that's a dumb idea, bro. <laughs> He said, bro, you're, you're married now? You, you got kids? I, I think you need to turn that scholarship down. Let, let me read your scripture, bro. And if you've had Kip read your scripture, he does, t- turn over here to 1 Timothy. And, and, and he read me the scripture. He says, see, it's God's will for all men to be saved. Now, I had done absolutely nothing to deserve it. He says, you need to be a preacher. I want to give you Jesus' dream. Amen. And in that moment, I realized I had to crush my dream for Jesus' dream. See, the kingdom of God, God's family is not built on your dreams. It's built on you being willing to crush your dreams for Jesus' dream. That's God's family. Some of you are willing. But are all of you willing? Some of you are willing. But are all of you willing to crush your dreams for Jesus' dream? These are the individuals that are in Jesus' family. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Jesus' family believed what Jesus believed. Acts chapter 1. Of course, this is after Jesus dies, he comes back, and then it says this. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, of course, Theophilus is a literary device. It simply means friend of God. I hope there are some friends of God in, in the audience today. Okay, sounds like only a couple. You're not in the family, amen. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that really is what it's all about. It's not only about teaching it, it's all about doing it. 
until the day he was taken to heaven. See, family to the end. You do it and you teach it until the day you're taken to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit from the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. See, he had to restore the entire group right there. He had to give them many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about serving the poor. Serving the poor is awesome. But that's not what he spoke about. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about theology. No, that's not what he spoke about. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the AMS ministry. No, I love the AMS. And Hillary sounds like a songbird right there. I mean, was that song not incredible? I mean, my goodness. It's me, but she just gets better and better, and God keeps adding to her talent right there. And it's awesome just to see her come through everything and just to have that song on her heart. I'm so grateful that we have Hillary in the church and for all the brothers and sisters that sing to God. But he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Marriage counseling. The kingdom of God. That's your issue. This husband, what do you want to listen to me? The kingdom of God. How's your relationship in the kingdom of God, sis? This woman, she won't listen to me. Bro, the kingdom of God. Campus students. I can't, my studies. The kingdom of God. He just... But every single day, Bible talk, everything was all about the kingdom. Because the kingdom is the only family that will go to the ends of the earth. And he spoke to them about the kingdom. Do you believe in the kingdom? Do you honestly believe in the kingdom of God? I'm not asking if you believe in church. We understand the Bible teaches the kingdom is the church. But the Bible, that's Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. But the Bible teaches that there's only one church. One kingdom. Do you believe in the kingdom of God? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, I just gotta, we gotta make sure we all believe the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it teaches something about the church, the kingdom. It says in verse 12, the body is a unit. In other words, the church is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts and all its parts are many, they form one body, one church. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, by one in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, Nigerian or Igbo, it doesn't matter, American, Irish, Northern Irish, Southern Irish, uh, Londoner or England, it doesn't matter, because those are two different people. Somebody from London is totally different than somebody from England. So it doesn't matter, it just, we're all baptized right there. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. The body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I mean, you know, he, he hears everything, but he ain't going to see everything. <laughs> so because I'm not an eye, I would not, for that, it says, I would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? 
that'd be weird. A bunch of eyes rolling around in the fellowship right there, you know. It says if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. There are one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Does your body move? It does. Some of you are slow on that one. Your body moves. You can't have a leg up here in the front and then, you know, the rest of your body in the back. Unless you're Tulani doing the dance that he does. Maybe Tulani could pull that off. But no, the body has to stay connected. The Bible says this, that I cannot say to the hand, I do, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe you need the kingdom? Do you you believe you need the church? You need the relationships. You need that young, fiery disciple that's always challenging you. You need that older brother that always is correcting you. You need the person that doesn't respect you so you can earn it. And so you need the body of Christ. We need each other. We need the church. Do you believe you need the kingdom? When you believe you need something, it it changes how you treat it. It changes its priority in your life. It changes everything. When you believe you need something to eat, you you do everything to get something to eat. Are you with me there? Yeah. I mean, my wife always makes me understand when she's hungry right there. She, she's she got these eyes. That she, she's got these beautiful eyes, but sometimes those eyes, they scare me a little bit. She gives me these eyes. I'm like, okay, it's time to eat right there. She needs something to eat. Feed this young woman right here. Feed her, Mike. And she's got me convinced right there. But he says we need to need each other. We need to need the church. You know, and it just doesn't say it doesn't matter what position. You know, for me, I need the London International Christian Church. I need you guys. You need me. And we need each other. We need each other. This is not just a religious thing. We we need each other. This is this is a biblical thing. Now, check out what it says here. It says, in verse 26, if one part suffers, only that part suffers. It says if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. That means when I do a bad sermon, you guys got to suffer right along, right on it. The whole thing, we just all suffer right on through it. If one part suffers, every part suffers. It says if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Amen. You know, I just want to lift up all the disciples that truly see this as their family. And that have totally lived that way. I mean, again, there's so many incredible things that have happened in London. And yet, this scripture says if one part is honored, every part is honored with it. And God has done some incredible things in our church. Last year, I was so impressed with how God moved in the church. We had 70 additions just in the London International Christian Church alone. Thirteen dating couples in the London International Christian Church alone. Two and a half weeks before Christmas, we raised 34,000 U.S. dollars just to continue the work here in the church. 
But Jesus' family believed what Jesus believed. And if there's one area that I, I just, as your brother, as one of the members of the church, I, I just got to ask you, are, are you truly, truly, truly committed to the family? You know, we had the winter workshop this week and it was incredible. The speakers gave their hearts. You got brothers listening to sister sermons. I mean, we are family to the end. But one of the things that really hurt my heart is the fact that there were so many disciples that just were not there. So many disciples that were not there. You know, the Bible says this in Matthew 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6. It is. Verse 33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll worry about it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, Jesus says, I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to give you. I got all kinds of things I want to give you. I got all kinds of blessings for you. There's only one condition. The kingdom's got to be first. Now, you may be clever enough to think you know what I want to give you. And you may try and attempt to seek after those things first. But not only will you not get the kingdom, you won't get what I want to give you. You may think you're getting what I want to give you, but you're not getting what I want to give you. And on top of that, you're not even going to have the kingdom. And if you don't have the kingdom, you're not saved. And if you're not saved, what a sad day. Because no one knows what tomorrow has in store. As he says, each day has enough trouble. Tomorrow could be the end. And yet right here, Matthew lays out the spiritual divine priorities of the kingdom. They are this way. God, the kingdom of God, then your family. Then you can tack on all the others. I'll say it again. God, the kingdom of God, then your family. Come on. Then all the others. Now, if you are in Jesus' family, you believe what Jesus believes. Yes. And if you are in the kingdom of God, you believe in the kingdom of God. But is it first? Come on. Is it first? See, if it's not first, you don't really believe it. You don't believe it. I I just got to help us understand the spiritual priorities. Biblically. Jesus put his spiritual family above his physical family. You realize your physical family will talk you out of being a disciple? You realize your physical family may not be where you are spiritually? You realize Jesus' physical family did not stay faithful. They they never became a Christian while he was living. He had to go all the way to the cross and die. And then once he died, he went back to him. And he appeared to him. That that freaked me out. (laughs) No, he was was God. (laughs) He went back and appeared to him. And they went, oh my goodness, we better become Christians. And they became Christians. 
Do you put this family over your physical family? Or does that make you uncomfortable? Come on, on, Michael. If we're going to be family to the ends of the earth, we got to be family here first. And when we miss out on meetings of the body, it hurts the family. When we don't come to a winter workshop because we're too busy, you in fact are too busy. Now you got to repent and start being committed to the family. We've got to make sure that this truly is our family. Now, if we're family, this isn't just something for the, for the preacher. All the other members say, hey, brother, sister, where were you? That hurt me missing you. See, sometimes we think missing meetings of the body only hurts the individual who misses. No, it hurts everybody. Yes. But one of the things that this church has got to grow on is we all got to minister to one another. Yes. That's only if you're a true disciple. You know, it's so crazy. I, going back to, to, to the United States, I always remember all the places we lived. And we lived in an area in, in, in America that actually, funny enough, in Portland, it looked very, very European. And we lived in a, 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 an apartment that was had the brick layout and everything. It was very much like England. And I'll never forget trying to open the window one day because it was painted shut. And I, and I actually opened it. And I got it open after just being there for hours. And once I got it open, it just kind of stuck right there. So I put my fingers down. And it was awesome. I was like, Oh, just basking in all my glory right there. And the window came down. And I said, Jesus is Lord. And right in that moment, I just put my, like this, like my hand grabbed it. Right? One part of the body started ministering to the other. It just grabbed it. It didn't go, what's wrong with you, idiot finger? I can't believe you got your finger stuck in there. What's wrong with you? No, it, it grabbed and started ministering. Because that's what the body does. When one part, when you immediately start ministering. Immediately. You don't wait, you don't get advice. Should I miss? Oh, that hurt. You feel it. Do you feel it when people miss church? Do you feel it? Or is it just a numbing, nah, I don't really feel it. See, if you don't feel it, I'm sorry to say, you've got to ask yourself, are you really in the family? Yes. Second question, you've got to ask if you really believe what Jesus believed. See, Jesus believed this is the kingdom. And that's why we have the Holy Bible. And we've got to believe as Jesus believe. I want to challenge everyone. We've got to recommit ourselves to Bible talk. Yes. Yes. We've got to recommit ourselves to the meetings of the body. We've got, we, we got to cut out all the excuses. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 says, go and make disciples, not go and make excuses. And so it's time. We've got to get rid of the excuses and truly, truly get committed to Jesus' family, the kingdom of God. Jesus' family believed in discipleship. Jesus' family believed in discipleship. Acts chapter 2. Look at this one. See, you know, the great thing about Jesus is he does not educate us beyond our obedience. That's the world we live in. We love nuggets and being overeducated. But today, you're going to... I may not teach anything new, but I call you to obey what you know. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and 
to the fellowship. I mean, you know when you're devoted. You can tell when someone is devoted. I mean, I saw that look in Jonathan's eye when, when Ellie, Ellie came on down the aisle right there. I mean, that brother, he, he just went like this and he just kind of started melting. I was going to pick him back up. So, bro, you got to get married. Stand up right here. He just, hey, man, so there he is. There he is. See, and, 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 you know, you know, Ellie, she kind of tries to, she tries to be tough right there, but she, she started, her, her cheeks got kind of red and they got this smile and, and, you know, and they forgot anybody else was there. And it just, you just saw the pure devotion to one another. But the Bible says that the disciples were devoted to the teachings that way. See, if you're not taking notes, you're not devoted. It's just a religious meeting for you. You're not devoted. You're waiting for it to get, you got Nando's on your heart. You're not, you're not devoted. You're not devoted. I gave that up for the kingdom. And yet sometimes I wonder, man, do we got a bunch of actors? We got to take notes. You got to check and see if I'm leading you astray. You know, one of the things we got to change in the church this year, every single member has to have a quiet time journal and have quiet times and be devoted to the teachings that we study out in God's name. Remember. Now, if there's some special exception, we'll talk about it. But you know who I'm talking. We got to. We got to be devoted to the apostles' teachings. Then it says the fellowship. It says the breaking of bread and prayer. We're always fired up for the breaking of bread. I see total commitment whenever we have food. Everybody says all the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possession of good they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. That's Bible talk. Ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's discipleship. Adding to the number. Turn to chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. This is, it doesn't even maximize the miracle. These men probably had wives. They probably had kids. This is a huge thing. For all these men to get devoted, to become Christians, to become disciples. You know, the strategy of God is for men of God to come racing through those doors. When he went up on that hill, he didn't call 10, 12 sisters. He called 12 men. And today, today, I'm calling you as a man of God to lead. Start with yourself. And lead. Turn to Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Okay, that was a 10 for the sisters, brothers. Come on now. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. That's those days. That needs to be these days. Skip down. Verse 7. 
So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Don't you long for the day when vicars start walking through and go, okay, I'm sorry. I've known this entire time that we were not supposed to be baptizing babies. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I apologize. Can somebody help me out here? Can I, can I, I need to get baptized. I'm in sin. I actually even want to get open about what's going on. Yes. Don't you long for that day? Yes. The Holy Spirit convicts men of sin. Yes. Don't worry about having to convict people. Holy Spirit does that for you. Yes. Thank goodness. Right here, the Bible says priests became obedient to the faith. That's right. Yet guys that were leading congregations that were realizing that they were not true followers, believing in Jesus' plan for discipleship. Look at Acts chapter 9. Look at this one. In verse 31. It says, then the church throughout Judea and Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers living in fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will grow the church. Acts chapter 11. Verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Look at verse 24. Says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You just see numbers of people being brought to the Lord. It says in verse 26, when he found him, of course, this is Barnabas talking about Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Seven years after the church started, they start finally getting persecuted and called Christians. Jesus never made a Christian. He made disciples. And that's what we are. And I love that Luke introduced the fact that he says the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. Of course, Luke was from Antioch and he was the writer of this. So Luke says it really was hot. The movement really got hot in my hometown. Luke says it got hot right there in Portland. I mean, in any important, I mean, in, in Portland, Oregon. I mean, that, that's what Luke says right there. It got hot right there. Chapter 12, verse 24. Look at this. It says, But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Chapter 13, verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Now we got regions that are being started. It's so awesome seeing that Minnow and Euclid have come. I talked to Minnow. He says, we want to move down to the south right there, to Tuti. And they're going to be that group that starts a new south region, I really believe. Chapter 14, verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believe. The Bible says one of the ways you win people to Christ, that you pull them into the kingdom, you get them to believe in discipleship, is effective speaking. Effective speaking. The Holy Spirit puts the word effective in there. And so this, this is huge to be effective. And this is the reason why I'm fired up to finish my master's degree. 
this year. It's happening this year. And we are starting ICCM London, where we will have a college, an accredited college right here in London, so we can all speak effectively. Chapter 16. Verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Now you have it. All the churches have daily additions. Can you imagine? Family time. You get done. Baptism. Staff meeting. You get done. Baptism. Wednesday night, the brothers are arguing over who's going to fill up the baptistry. But then you baptize them. Thursday at Bible talk, wife is overwhelmed. She's trying to get the food, but somebody didn't keep an eye on the baptism. And we baptize somebody. Friday night, camp is devotional. After they eat the food, they baptize somebody. Saturday night, you go on this incredible date. You get off the London Eye, and then you go baptize somebody. Sunday, you come to Sunday worship service, and you just see people getting baptized. And that's happening all around the world. They did it in the Bible. They didn't even have Facebook. They didn't have phones. It was the Holy Spirit. It was them being fully committed to the family. That they evangelized the ends of the earth. And it can happen in our generation. Chapter 19, look at this one. Verse 10. Says this went on for two years, so that the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. This scripture right here, preceding it, is where we get campus ministry. Paul was blocked from going to Europe in Acts chapter 16. Why? God wanted him to go. Or he was blocked from going to Asia. God wanted him to go to Europe. And a European said, But then, once, once, once he does go to Asia, that's where we get all the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Those came from campus ministry. They came from campus. The seven churches in Asia came from Paul being focused on the campus. It's time to rededicate ourselves to the campus ministry. Do you believe in discipleship? Jesus' family believed in discipleship. And we know they believed in discipleship because after he told them that they must make disciples of all nations, the Bible just says very clearly in Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. The Bible says all over the world. And yet, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing as we sit here today. Do you realize our church in Russia, quick, early church, they had 71 additions just last year. Our 
church in India, they had over a hundred editions just last year. Our church in the Philippines had over a hundred editions last year. San Francisco had 80 editions last year. The gospel is bearing fruit all over the world. And it's so incredible when you take it apart and you're, and you're a part of it. Yes. It's so discouraging when you're on the sidelines yes. and you're not on the pitch with the other players. Do you honestly believe in discipleship? Do you honestly believe in it? We've got to believe in it if we're going to be family to the ends of the earth. Lastly, Jesus' family served as Jesus served. Matthew chapter 18. This, this, this was hilarious to me. Matthew chapter 18. Never saw this. It says this. Verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> you know, whether you say it out loud or say it in your heart, we've all fought it. He called a little child and had him stand among them. There's a little brother right there. It says, had him. He said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, Jesus was very careful about his words. <laughs> I mean, that's a visual for you. By the man who, the God who created you. How can we cause little kids to stumble? Preach. How can, how can we do this scripture? I thought about it. I said, man, that's... Uh, I got scared. I got scared because I go, you know, a poor kid's class can cause young people to not see God in the kingdom. People who don't want to serve in our kid's class. That could cause young people to grow up and go, I know they preached about it, but wow, our kid's class was super boring. Wasn't inspirational. Oh, my God. All the awesome people were too awesome to serve there. What's this about giving your best? I mean, the young people listen. They listen. Mia's three years old. She's already challenging Michael on temptation and sin. Three. You need, and, and forgiveness. You need to forgive. Three years old. Michael, you need to forgive. They listen to us. Jesus just gets through discipling them on this. Now check out chapter 19. Look at verse 14. Verse 13. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Just gets through rebuking them in chapter 18 and in chapter 19 they're back in sin. They never got it. That's scary. The issue really is serving. Yeah. This is two, two, there are two issues here. Growing and serving. 
Most young people and children that I meet want to grow. You've met a young person before. You've asked them how old they were. How old are you? 12, going on 13, almost 14, about to be 15. (laughs) They're just so excited to be 15. But you ask somebody who's in their 30s, in their 40s, how old are you? They don't want to even tell you how old they are. Because they don't want to get any older. Because sadly, sometimes our rewards are in this life, not the afterlife. Our rewards are vacation and, you know, a pan of chocolate and all these other types of things. But our rewards need to be in heaven. I really believe the disciples didn't want to grow. I want to challenge you out the gate this year to embrace growing. The issue is they didn't want to grow. They didn't want to grow. Kids have to grow. But we get to a point where we think I've grown enough. And then we even say it. I'm grown. You ever, you ever heard that? Oh, I'm grown. No, you're not. You should still be growing. Sadly, I've said that. I'm grown. No, I'm not. In the eyes of God, I'm just a child of God. And you need to grow some more, Michael. Where are the areas where you need to grow personally? If you don't know where they are, you need to get with somebody after this lesson and go, challenge me to grow. I want to be just like a little kid. Second thing is serving. Jesus served the kids. We've got to do an incredible job with our kids. We've got to do an incredible job with our kids. I mean, I lift up the families that have special needs kids in our fellowship. I mean, I think about Martin Scott and Teresa Scott, the, the, the work they do with their... First of all, their, their children have grown in an incredible way just being here in London. And it's just, it's for the glory of God. We got to serve the kids. We got to serve the kids. We need one to two awesome couples to devote themselves to making our kids' class incredible. And I know at the end of this lesson, one to two at minimum will talk to me, so we'll move on. Serving also is seen in our giving. And we'll close out here. Matthew chapter 6. Didn't get too much of a clap on that that kid serving thing there. I may have to come back to that one. I may have to come back to that one next week. Matthew 6, verse 21. The Bible says simply, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You want to know where your heart is? Where's your treasure? You ever said, Where's my heart? Where's your treasure? That's where your heart is. And of course, oftentimes, our treasure can be in the back in our wallet. And that means our heart is in our wallet. And I don't like my heart in my wallet. Especially as a missionary, because there's not much in it. I like my heart in the kingdom. Because that's where my family is. And if we are going to evangelize all of Europe, we're going to have to continue to sacrifice. But I want to point a phrase that we need to embrace. No more tithing. We, we now give generously. For some people, giving a tithe isn't necessarily very generous at all. And a tithe is 10%. For other people, just getting close to that is being very generous. 
But I want to persuade you, first of all, to increase and to give generously. I talked to one individual and they said, you know, this is how much I give for my savings. And this is how how much I give to God. And when when, when, when I talked to him, I just went, amen. But then I heard the exact same story by a preacher in L.A. He says, you know, we had a member that's giving X amount to themselves. And X amount to the kingdom. So I asked him, would Jesus Christ look at your giving and think you're being generous? And at that moment, I got convicted. Because I hadn't asked that brother that question. And basically... That individual was giving more to themselves than they were giving to Jesus. Now, it's nothing wrong with giving to yourself. It's awesome to have a savings account. Yes. That's a good thing, is it not? Yes. Yes. But you've got to ask yourself, are you honestly generous? Come on. Are you giving more to God than you give to yourself? Yes. Come on, Michael. I'm so impressed by our church in Los Angeles. Yes. We wouldn't have our movement if, we, if, if it wasn't for the generous disciples yes. that have been there. We would not have our movement. In 2007, they gave 25 times. In 2008, they gave 15 times. In 2009, they gave 19 times. In 2010, they gave 15 times. 2011, they gave 19 times. 2012, they gave 20 times. 2013, they gave 23 times. 2014, 26 times. 2015, 29 times. They've given 191 times. Now, we've given, but we haven't given that much. And it's time that our treasure is the kingdom of God. We will have to be even more generous if we're going to see Madrid go out. We're going to have to be more generous if we're going to see Amsterdam go out. And these churches are going out, guys. We may have to argue and get mad and fuss and and sell iPods and iPads. and, And why are we having to give so much and have those conversations? But guess what? We are family to the ends of the earth. I love you. God bless you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot U-K And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.